Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. About the future innovations and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. The groove is in the heart. Uh, yeah, I should definitely not sing. Hey, this is Ryan Treasure. I am your host for Finding Your Frequency today, right here on Finding Your Frequency Fridays. And of course, today is a great and special, wonderful day called Valentine's Day, where you guys all get to celebrate your special someones. I know I'm celebrating my special people today. And when I say people, I mean my daughter and my wife and my mother and my grandmother who are all uh, here locally. So feel extremely blessed and, and, and lucky for that. And, you know, for those of you that are listening to the radio show here at 12 o'clock Pacific, and you should probably get in your, you know, plans together and all those bits and pieces in order. So you can, you know, go out there and have a great Valentine's day. And, you know, because of the specialness and uniqueness of Valentine's Day, I know a lot of people call it a Hallmark holiday and a this or that and the other. But, you know, as much as it, as it is a Hallmark holiday, what better reason to take a day of remembrance than Valentine's Day to remember those loved ones, those people that are important to you. And so we're going to talk about that today. And of course, we've got a fantastic expert on the line here today, Julie Julie Spira is America's top online dating expert and digital matchmaker, award-winning dating coach, and internationally known best-selling author. So we want to talk to Julie today about some of the different things that she's seeing around and talk about what Valentine's Day means to her. So Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, Ryan. Oh, thank you for having me. Today is a real big deal. It's Valentine's Day. Well, at least it is for women for the most part. Yeah, I definitely can can feel that it's a, a, a highly important component for women, 100%. Um, you know, I think it's important for guys too, but it's it's also probably more important for women. You know, a lot of women, they just, I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. You know, you have some women who work a eight-hour day and come home and still take care of the kids and help around the house and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of times the husbands and boyfriends might take that for granted sometimes and we may forget uh you know what it means to be a woman how important it is in our lives and uh how much a woman does for us as men uh and and to and to make sure that we show gratitude is the least that we could do oh so julie as you look at your bio and all of the things that you've accomplished and you've done in the, in the dating space and being a digital matchmaker, uh, which I'd love to talk more about, but I really want to allow our audience the opportunity to kind of get to know you um, and kind of find out about how you found your frequency in life and in business. Like where in your life did you say, ha ha, I am going to be a dating expert and I'm going to help people find that special person. That is such a great question. And by the way, I love the title of your show, Finding Your Frequency, because as I roll back to how I got to where I am today, it was because I was a radio broadcaster. 
And I went to school to get a degree in television radio. So radio frequency was a real big deal. I had to get my, my FCC license to be on the radio and things that don't happen these days anymore. But I took it really seriously. So frequency was a big part of my life as it related to radio frequency. And as my career you know, continued to move forward into uh, a bigger area, I started off on the air um, playing rock and roll music moved into radio syndication and eventually ended up becoming a network executive. And all of this happened really fast and I truly loved what I was doing, but I was also one of these girls who just, you know, fell in love with love, never wanted my heart to get broken. And as I embraced technology, um, and I guess I should go back a little bit, I embraced technology because when I was working in network radio, I was working for this fabulous company called RKO Radio Networks, and they were the first um, commercial digital satellite radio network. So basically, there was no satellite radio network, no Sirius XM, none of this. RKO was the first. So I had to learn so much more outside of rock and roll and move into technology. And as I embraced satellite technology and things like uplinks and downlinks and big shiny dishes that went into radio stations' backyards, I really learned a lot about how we can use technology to communicate point-to-point, point-to-multipoint in a broadcasting model. And so that's where my background is. It's in technology, it's in broadcasting, it's in satellite, and how it moved forward into becoming a dating expert. No, I I went to school to get a degree in television radio. There was no such thing as online dating in those days. There was no Facebook. We didn't have iPhones. There certainly weren't dating apps and nobody was swiping anywhere. But I was just your everyday girl who had her heart broken and decided that I was going to use technology to replace my long lost love with with an internet mate. And that's when I became a charter member of Love at AOL during the dial-up internet days because I could see that this was going to be a new vehicle for meeting people, but you just couldn't tell anybody you were doing it in those days. Oh, that's funny that you said Love at AOL in the dial-up days. It just reminds me of... Oh, the pre-smartphone era, and uh, you 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 said a lot of buzzwords for me. As you know, I've I've been in broadcast for uh, over twenty years. I started out in AM and FM radio, and so I too had to had to uh, run the gambit of managing FCC rules and regulations. And uh, especially at the AM station that I worked at, we had uh, a specific set of rules because we were a fifty thousand watt station, but had to power down at nine p.m. at night to five thousand watts. And if you didn't do that, it was like a hundred thousand dollar fine because you were you were stepping over other uh, AM stations that are on the same dial that were like three states over. And so I, I totally understand all the ins and outs of that stuff that you had to deal with. And, you know, how much easier now is it just to communicate with one another? I mean, uh, you can, you know, from a flip of your phone, you can be doing a video chat on Facebook Messenger like, you know, like right now. So, I mean, you know, as you talk about technology and those changes in, in the way people that communicate, um, that's just amazing steps forward that have happened in the last, you know, 15 or 20 years. It's, uh, it's been quite astonishing. It really has. And even in the last few years, because so many new dating apps have rolled out. And then, of course, all these additional features get added to them. And as the bandwidth expanded from my dinosaur dial-up days, now we have, you know, Wi-Fi everywhere and we have the bandwidth to go on video dates. And I think this is actually fabulous because women need to feel safe on a date 
And men need to know that they're going to be able to recognize their date and that she's going to look like her photos. So if you can go on a pre-date with somebody that you've been chatting with that perhaps you met on Facebook or on a dating app, then you can just say, hey, let's chat for five minutes. Please don't make it too long. And um, some apps actually, like Bumble, allow in-app calling where you don't even have to give your phone number out to somebody just in case you know they become creepy and you don't want them to know your phone number. So the technology has made it really easy for people to meet more quickly and to actually feel safer about it um, so they don't have to feel like, oh, gosh, am I going to get catfished? Go on that video date. Yeah, no, that's funny. I love that you know all of the the recent buzz terms being catfished and ghosted and you know all of those kind of things. And uh, yeah, no, I mean that's that's terrible. Uh, I haven't been in the dating scene for so long. I, I don't even I don't even know what it's like to cyber date or use an app to date. But um, interesting fact is my my father in law, uh, uh, him and his wife, my my wife's mother, they got divorced. You know, when my wife was a teenager, and he moved to California, and he was working, and he actually found the woman that he's currently married to on eHarmony, and they've been together for like ten years. And just I always thought it just so interesting that you know you you can go online and you can funnel through all these different pictures and bios of people, and then you you know, reach out to them and chat and meet. And back then, I think when he met, uh, when he met his wife, they, there was no video dating or anything like that. You had to like, kind of take a chance and say, Hey, you know, we've been messaging back and forth. Things are kind of cool. I'm interested in you. We have some stuff in common, you know, let's meet up and have a, you know, have some dinner or a coffee or, you know, something like that. And then you, you pull up into the parking lot and yeah, you're like, okay, well the profile picture looks like this, but I don't see anybody who looks like that. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff is kind of going away by the way of technology. Um, and so cyber dating is probably a lot more safe now than it was 10 years ago. I, th- I think that nothing really will replace trusting your intuition when you go on a date or when you're out and about. Um, if something feels wrong on a date, you can politely say um, that you're not feeling it and you really just would like to end the date and politely wish them the best and move on. But, but the technology has, has, has sped up the process so you can fill your date cards more quickly. It used to be on traditional dating sites where you would write somebody a message and then the next morning they would read it and then they'd sit on it and wait a day or two because they didn't want to seem needy and then they'd write back and about three weeks later, you would finally actually meet in person. And by then, you've already thought you were in a relationship. So that model's not working anymore because if you really like someone and you play the waiting game, they may be looking for a serious relationship and they may connect with someone else while you were busy, you know, uh, pretending not to be on the phone. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. And uh, it's, it's funny. I have a couple of neighbors of mine that are uh, you know, like 17, 18 years old. And so, um, I spend a lot of time outside in my backyard and hanging out and, you know, we're we've all known each other since they were young. We've been in our neighborhood for 15 years. So I've known these kids like most of their lives. And so just to watch them grow up and now they're 17, 18 years old. And it's, it's, it's really hilarious just to see the way that they communicate with, you know, their friends and, uh, people that they're, they're wanting to date versus, you know, like my generation who, you know, like we had to use phone that had like a you remember that dial and, and, and if you wanted to dial um, nine it took like 10 minutes 
right? And dial the <laughs> focus. You had to wait for the nine to go all the way back to the one or the zero. Oh, that's right. The round dials before yeah. we got push button before phones. We had and of push course, button. they always had a cord. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, please, I don't ever want to have to call 911. Do you know how long it's going to take me to call 911? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, things are things have changed so so dramatically since those times. It's like a it's almost like instant connect. You know, you're, you're on an application, you see somebody that's interesting, you send them a message. If they're on their device and they see it, they're able to come back and, and send a message back right away. And you can kind of almost in a, in a very short, brief period of time, start um, the, the process of communicating with each other to, um, you know, start seeing if, if you guys have interests and things that are in common. Whereas, you know, in, in, the, in the old eHarmony days, that's exactly what would happen. Like what you mentioned is someone would send a message and then you're waiting, you know, for a couple of days for them to get back because they may not want to send it for feeling whatever way, which I always thought was silly. You know, I mean, I feel like if you're hunting and you're looking, I guess you're hunting and you're looking or are you are you are you are you not that serious? Maybe. So uh, I guess that would always be the questions that would be running through either side's mind while they're waiting for a communication to come back. But but now that's not the case. It's not the case. No, it's not the case because people are, you know, swapping digits and then they're texting each other in between. So if you're, you know, even before you meet someone, chances are you could have, you know, a number of text exchanges throughout the day, every day until you get to your first date. So it's almost as if you've already been on your first date and then some by the time you actually meet in person. Well, I guess it's kind of a money saver too, right? Because if you get into a conversation with somebody and you're, you know, messaging them back and forth and, you know, after a couple of days of messaging, you're like, oh, well, no, I don't think we're, you know, he said a couple of things or she said a couple of things that don't really jive with, you know, who I am or what I'm about. Then, you know, you don't have to, you're not going to waste time, effort and money on going out on that date. Um, right. Cause I know nowadays, uh, it's almost faux pas for like man to pay for date. Like, you know, everybody's all about this equality thing and, you know, um, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Cause I've been, I think you're wrong. So and I'm going to say, I'm going to set the record straight here when it comes to first dates, if a gentleman asks a woman in a heterosexual relationship out on a date, the man is expected to pay. And if a woman leans in to offer to pay or to go Dutch treat, she's sending the message that you're in the friend zone. So regardless of what happens on the, on the additional dates, whether you decide to split or whether someone happens to have tickets to a fabulous show or a concert or whatever it may be, you know, people can treat each other in different ways. But there is a cardinal dating rule about that first date. And Dutch treat means not that into you. Ah, see, I'm glad that you set the record straight on that because, again, I haven't been dating for God knows how long. And I knew that when I was dating back uh, when when I was dating my wife, that was absolutely the cardinal rule. And I guess it's shame on me for 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 uh, thinking otherwise. But I guess I just kind of figured with, you know, um, everybody wanting to be equal for all over the place. I figured, OK, well, maybe dating is the same way now, too, where everybody just kind of goes in with a 50 50 mindset. <laughs> But this is why it's confusing, and it's even more confusing for millennials who go on group dates, and they hang out in herds, and maybe they like someone, and they think they're dating, but they're not sure if they're dating because they haven't been anywhere together just as a couple, or again, they've split the check each time. So dating can be really confusing. So some of the traditional values from, my gosh, my grandparents' days, where the man pays for the first meal or whether it's coffee, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, I always tell the women not to pick the fanciest place in town because if you're not going to be a match, why should you 
you know, make someone spend a lot of money on you. So lunch, a cup of soup, some people like coffee. I don't really particularly care for coffee dates because I think that if you're going to put the attention into getting to know someone, and that means you know, taking carving out 20 minutes to an hour, then you should really spend the time getting to know that person. And hopefully you've done enough of screening in advance. And I don't mean cyber stalking. I mean, having conversations <laughs> that make you feel comfortable to go on a date. Yeah, no, that, that, that's definitely a good point. And, you know, something I guess I never really thought about <laughs> when you said group dating. I, um, honestly, Julie, I was today years old when I found out that there was a such thing as group dating. <laughs> I know, isn't that funny? But it's interesting because there are more and more group dates going on. And I really think that it's confusing for singles and for couples when they're always going out in groups. And maybe it's fine to do that when you're in college. But if you're looking for a romantic relationship, make it about two people. Yeah, I mean, I, I even feel like in college, I mean, if you're, you know, seriously looking for somebody, like how can you actually get to know somebody if they're constantly around other people? I mean, you only get to see, you know, a small fraction of what that interpersonal relationship could or could not be, right? Because when you're around other people, you may act slightly different, right? You have that whole mantra of, you know, um, you know how I think people perceive me, how people actually perceive me and how I think I perceive myself, you know? And I think some of those dynamics around those, uh, ideas are a little bit different whether you're one-on-one -on -one or, or or in a group setting well dating will never go out of style and neither will love and for many many years one of the most popular search terms on google was what is love and that means so many people are dying to have love but they're not even actually sure what it looks like and what it feels like and what it is to be in love with someone yeah, I, I, I can feel that. It's I guess it's hard for me to understand that just because I've been with the same woman for so long and we've we've been, you know, happily married and things are fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I think one piece of advice I as a married guy would love to give single people is, um, you know, just because you fall in love with somebody and things are all, you know, hunky dory and wonderful in the beginning, don't think that it's always going to be that way um, because relationships take effort and it's not just something that happens by way of osmosis for something for long term. You know, you, you, it's great that you, you know, come together and you fall in love and everything's great and wonderful. And then what do you do 15 years after that, you know, to make sure that you're, you know, keeping up with uh, the spark in the relationship. But at the same time, you know, you, you start to deal with such so much more grown up issues as you get into a relationship with, you know, children and how are you going to raise them? And, you know, what are the standards for A, B and C and, Oh, taxes and, you know, got to pay the mortgage and all of those things that come about. And, you know, I think uh, I think a lot of people may be afraid of that part of the relationship and maybe why they're not uh, exercising their ability to date more often. But, um, you know, it does take a little bit of effort. But um, if you truly love somebody, that effort is 100 percent, 100 percent, like 200, 2000 percent worth it, you know. And don't forget Valentine's Day. If you truly love somebody, um, I know it's a long holiday weekend, but even if you just can get a handwritten card, go to the store and, and pick out a really pretty card. It could say, I love you. You can write that on your own. But send a card to someone or hand deliver a card to someone because it's really the thought that matters. And simple things like a card won't break the bank. Despite that, there's between 28 and I think $50 billion being spent on Valentine's Day this year. I mean, can you believe those numbers? Oh, that's just astronomical amounts of money. But you're right. Um, 
you know, like my daughter is six years old and, you know, she's in love with Valentine's Day. She's a, a very, you know, loves pink and purple and all things girly girl. And, you know, she loves to do projects and make pictures. And, you know, they sent a they sent a message to the school or to all the parents from the school that was basically like, hey, um, we are going to do something for Valentine's Day. But um, if your kid's going to do something Valentine's Day wise, they have to do it for all of the children in the class and not just who they choose. And so for the last several days, my daughter's been coming home from school and handwriting 33 separate Valentines for every single kid in the class uh, because I told her I wasn't going to go buy anything. Um, I was like, you have paper and you have pencils. You can make an expression on your own without us spending any money. And I think that those small notes and messages that you're sending to your friends that you're personally handwriting and personally creating are much more meaningful and impact than me going to the dollar store and buying. 34 little uh, Valentine's Day flyers and some candy. <laughs> well, that's great. That's terrific. I do remember going to the store and, and you know, the five and 10 or whatever it was called in those days and picking up <laughs> Valentine's and put, you know, looking the little envelopes and yeah. making sure that each kid in the class got a Valentine. Yeah. And I think it's important, especially when you're at that young age that you, you know, have some level of inclusiveness for all of the kids. You don't want anybody to feel left out. Um, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just a mean dad and I wanted her to work hard, but I just felt like it's too easy to just go buy something. And if you really are truly heartfelt about, you know, what you want, what you want, then you go do that. I'm going to give you an example. I know today's Valentine's day. Um, it's 12 o'clock Pacific time, one o'clock, uh, one o'clock, uh, uh, Arizona time. So I know my wife is not listening to this show live because she's driving to go pick up our daughter for from school so I can I can say this on the air uh, and not and not and not break anything um, but like my, my wife doesn't like chocolate I know that's a scary crazy thing that some women don't like chocolate my wife doesn't like chocolate and what I'm doing uh uh, after I get done with the radio show is I've placed an order. My, my wife absolutely loves hot wings and I went to the dollar store and I bought a box of red chocolates that's in the shape of a heart and I poured the chocolates in a plastic bag and I gave them to um, all of my audio engineers who are running radio shows here because they love chocolate and then I'm going to go pick up a dozen hot wings and I'm putting them in the chocolate box so she's not even going to know that they're not chocolates. She can open it up and it's going to be hot wings. That is fabulous. And see, and that's creative. And that's what really Valentine's Day means to me. It's about a personal day that you can share with somebody special in your life. Maybe you have inside jokes. Maybe Valentine's Day isn't that big a deal. But I do remember when I was a little girl that my father would come home with one of those big red velvet boxes filled with candy for my mother. And he'd have a little smaller companion box for me. And I'd get a red heart filled with chocolates, just, you know, a child size. Yep. And so, so dad, for all the dads out there, <laughs> don't forget your daughters because, you know, they will grow up to learn about all these loving gestures. Well, you know, uh, Julie, you, you make a really good point there. I had, was doing an interview a couple of weeks ago with a guy um, named Greg Champion, really awesome guy. And he's got a couple of daughters. And one of the things that he said to me when we were having a conversation was that, you know, us as fathers, we have to remember one thing. Um us as fathers, we're going to be the first man that our daughters love ever. And so it's important that as fathers, we showcase to them the proper way to treat, um, uh, to, how to treat a woman correctly. You know, I always, you know, my daughter's really young. I still open the door and I say after you, ma'am, you know, and, and, and we have this, you know, moment because I kind of feel like 
you know, Greg's right in that, in that respect that, you know, as fathers, we have a responsibility to our daughters to treat them and show them the way that they should be treated by other people. So that way they expect nothing less. I like that. So I'm definitely bringing home a big balloon. My daughter loves balloons. Uh, so she's getting a happy Valentine's day balloon and, um, she likes these little toys. I, I love the dollar store. Don't tell me why. I just love it. Not because things are a dollar. because you can go find so much stuff in one place. Um, but uh, they had LOL dolls, which are these little dolls that go in like a, they're actually encased in a piece of chocolate um, and they're little dolls. And so I got her a couple of those with the balloon and a little card that I wrote in. And, you know, then my wife's getting the hot wings and um, I got her a little bag of goodies as well, um, like a bath bomb thing and a couple of other things that so she can just kind of feel like, you know, she could go relax or whatever. And uh, Friday's for us. To, so today is is family day. That's our that's what we do every Friday night. And Friday night is family night. We get together. There's the, the three of us, my my daughter and my wife and our dogs. And we order pizza or, you know, uh, or something like that. Or one of us will make food. But so it's actually kind of cool that uh, this Friday. Uh, family night is also Valentine's Day and so I get to spend family Valentine's Day with both of my sweethearts and uh, it should be it should be a wonderful thing do you have any uh, you have any any ideas or or anything uh, outside of what I already said something I should think about maybe movie choices for family night on Valentine's Day well there's so many great movies that you can stream at home I, I love anything that has to do with hearts so I ordered actually one of Mrs. Fields like giant chocolate chip cookie in the shape of a heart uh, which I'm giving to my valentine because he likes cookies uh, but I also saw that Fresh Brothers and has heart shaped pizzas and I don't know if there's a Fresh Brothers near you but we have them here in Los Angeles and you can order online and you can customize and get any type of crust and any type of toppings, and you can actually have a heart-shaped pizza for Valentine's Day, and I think that is great. Oh, a heart-shaped pizza, that sounds amazing. I can make one of those, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna make a heart-shaped pizza. There you go. Yeah, I got for Christmas last year, or I, I say last year like it's so long ago, like, you know, December 25th, 2019. Um, but uh, my wife got me a, a pizza oven, like a little round pizza oven. It cooks pizza. It's amazing. I love pizza, and she got me a pizza oven. So now I'm going to use that pizza oven to make a heart pizza because you said it was awesome, and I agree, Julie. I think it is. Well, please post a photo. <laughs> I sure will. Uh, let's talk about your book a little bit. I know that uh, you, you've written an online dating book, The Perils of Cyber Dating, Confessions of a Hopeful Romantic Looking for Love Online. Um, let's, let's, let's talk about that. And I know you also um, uh, are writing a book or have written a book, uh, The Intersection of Love and Politics, called Love in the Age of Trump. Um, so I'd definitely love to talk about both of those books. Um, the first one, The Perils of Cyber Dating. Tell us a little bit about that book and what drove you to write it. Well, the interesting thing about the perils of cyber dating, and it came out over 10 years ago, and I was really happy that it became a bestseller. But when I first started collecting my stories, that was, my gosh, I started collecting those stories a really long time ago. It was in 1994. But had I written the book in 2000, no one would have ever read it because you still weren't allowed to tell anybody that you were dating in chat rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so I collected my stories, and finally, 
I got to the point where I realized that, you know, Match.com was launched in 95, eHarmony was launched in 2000. So, you know, by the time 2008 rolled around, people were laughing a bit about online dates. They thought they were amusing. They they weren't sure exactly what to do about them. And some people were going on dates and others weren't. So I decided to share my romantic journey of going on over 250 dates and I did that in the perils of cyber dating because I wanted people to see, A, the red flags of bad profiles, to, to know who to avoid, and B, to sort of laugh along the way with me because, yes, I went on dates with people who, you know, pretended to be single and were married. Or I went on a date with somebody who seemed like a nice guy and now he's married, but, you know, he had just had his colonoscopy the day before and decided he wanted to tell me all the details about it during lunch. So I lost my appetite. So the Uh. book was very amusing. (laughs) It's a romantic journey. And I think what it did was it really... Um, I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. And as a result, you know, I created Cyber Dating Expert as a dating advice site. It's cyberdatingexpert.com. And I did that and I started writing profiles on uh, a regular basis. I did give up the day job and I decided that I was just going to be a pioneer in online dating and I was going to stick with it. And between my my fabulous role models, my parents who are still happily married, and my technology background, I just felt like the intersection of love and technology was going to be my new beat. Oh, that's awesome. I love that you 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 wrote that. I didn't realize that it was 10 years ago, so that's awesome. And I want to remind everybody, too, that they can find you on uh, Facebook as Cyber Dating Expert. Uh, and then, of course, like you said, uh, checking out the website at cyberdatingexpert.com. Julie, we really appreciate you being on Finding Your Frequency today. But before we go, tell us about Love in the Age of Trump. What is that one? Okay, Love in the Age of Trump, How Politics is Polarizing Relationships. That's my next book. And a lot of my writing really comes from my own personal experiences. And I feel like, you know, I can put the expert hat on after coaching singles for 25 years on online dating. But at the end of the day, people want to hear about your authentic voice. And they want to know that you can walk the walk and talk the talk. So with Love in the Age of Trump, I wrote it because a relationship, a very long-term relationship of mine ended uh, because my significant other and I had different political views. So we voted for different people. Um, You can probably guess who voted for whom. (laughs) And I wrote an essay called Can Love Survive Trump, which was our story. And it was really painful to write because to see a really loving relationship end because you know, you had completely different political views. It was not a really simple thing. So it used to be like, who'd you vote for? Who'd you vote for? Okay, now let's go grab a pizza. But now people were taking their feelings into the bedroom. And so Love in the Age of Trump, How Politics is Polarizing Relationships is my interviews with singles and couples all across the country on their attitudes on dating across party lines. Yeah, it's so sad that, you know, people can't find togetherness outside of that political arena. I really wish that, uh, I guess, I guess Congress has the same problem too. I mean, they can't bipartisan anything. So I guess you can see it probably rolling over to relationships as well. It really does. And a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I tend to talk about, you know, really difficult subjects like politics and safety, because these are very, very important to me. And so I wrote an article called what happens when PTSD turns into post-Trump stress disorder. And that's over on Thrive because I found people really were getting stressed out from whether it was watching um, watching the inauguration to watching um, 
the impeachment hearings. And, and when I did a midterm poll, oh gosh, it was a really extraordinary. I could not believe that. I asked a really simple question is, would you date somebody who didn't vote? Okay. Now, I think it's really great that we all have the opportunity to vote and we legally can vote. And I think it's a shame when somebody doesn't go to the polls. 87% of the people said they wouldn't even date someone who did not vote. And only 13% said they would date someone who voted. So these numbers are really big. Uh, you can go to the website and take the poll right now. Would you date across party lines? It's at loveintheageoftrump.com. Currently, 67% would not date across party lines. 27% said they would. And I don't know how this can be, but a little over 4% they said they're not interested in politics. But it's very hard not to notice the news cycle. Yeah, especially when it's like on every channel. And, you know, I... I never once had uh, wanted to make this show about politics at all. It's really about, you know, the journeys and the messages that, you know, people come out, come out with for those journeys. But I mean, you do make a really good point because, you know, those those things are are, are, are bound to be some type of a roadblock or a hurdle in, in you know, some relationship somewhere sometime, I'm sure. Uh, and so definitely it's important to talk about that. And, you know, uh, for me, I mean, I don't care who the president is. I just care that right now in our political sphere, I just feel like with everything that's going on on all party sides, I just feel like as a taxpayer, money's just going down a hole. <laughs> that's my political opinion. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel that, you know, this division that's going on in the country has really hit uh, the romance and specifically online dating, because that's the area that I work in where I would never see profiles in the past that specifically stated who they voted for or which way they leaned politically. But right now, politics is like the number one deal breaker. And that's why I'm, I wrote this really, really challenging book, because it used to be you, you wouldn't date somebody who was a smoker. Well, now those same people will say, I'll date the smoker as long as he promises to quit, but I won't date the person who voted for insert name. Right, right. They're, they're almost like, oh, yeah, whatever. If you smoke cigarettes, that's fine. But if you voted for blankety blank, that's 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 it. That's way worse than smoking. So I think <laughs> no matter what type of relationship you're looking for, you just need to be honest about it. If politics is important to you, you need to state it front and center on your profile. If religion is important to you or getting married and starting a family is important to you, don't be afraid to say that because you think you might be scaring somebody away. You are going to be scaring away the ones that don't feel the way that you do. So the more specific you are in your dating profile, the better matches you will get because the sites have their little secret sauce, which are called dating algorithms. And these dating app algorithms really work to your benefit. The more data you put in, the better matches you will get. Yeah, I wonder... Um from a technology perspective, you bring up a good point. You know, it's all about, you know, data inputs and, and then outputs to the end users. Um, are there any data or any, any data, excuse me, uh, any, any dating websites right now that are currently leveraging artificial intelligence to match people up? Yes. AI is being used um, at most of the major dating apps and, and they don't necessarily tell you how it's being used, but this is their way of being able to filter out people based on, as I said, it could be sex, it could be religion, it could be distance, and it could be keywords that you write in your profile. Let somebody, let's say somebody loves the Rolling Stones and they're going on tour again. Well, then if that's in your profile and you love the Stones and it's in my profile, you might get a message that says, Julie, you and Ryan both like the Rolling Stones. Maybe you should look at his profile. <laughs> 
So I don't mind that at all because, you know, then we could compare notes on how many concerts did you go to and how many concerts did I go to? Well, it's kind of like a time saver, too. I mean, when you when you think about the old original versions of like eHarmony, you're like, if you want to find somebody, it's like filters and, you know, all these different things. And then you end up with X number of search results that you have to manually scroll through. But um, if an AI engine can kind of do all of that work for the end user who's looking for a date or looking for their next true love or first love or second love or whatever the case may be. I mean, I'm all for that. Um, we all got a lot of stuff to do and scrolling through pictures and photos and bios is probably not the best use of our time. <laughs> well, I think it's the best use of your time because finding the person that could be the love of your life for the rest of your life um, should be more important than finding a job that maybe will last three months or three years. So I, I think that you really need to take a business approach to finding love online, which means logging on every morning, logging on every night. Sometimes it means, you know, being really organized and putting together a spreadsheet so you don't call Jimmy Johnny and vice versa. And <laughs> there is, you know, the, the, there's this sort of method to the madness. You know, the more matches you you get the more times you wrote right back to somebody, the more frequently you go on dates, the better dater you become. The more you learn about how to spot these red flags right away about someone who's not a match for you, send them on their way politely. You know, you don't want to get banned from these dating apps and then find someone who actually checks off the boxes and feels the same way that you do about, you know, their place in the world. Yeah, that's hard to do, right? And I, I think, you know, checking off all those boxes. And I guess if you're doing it on an online dating app, it's probably more efficient than, you know, physically going out to different places and then having that awkward moment of walking up to somebody to introduce yourself for them to not have any interest in you. <laughs> you could definitely yeah, and that can be, avoid that. can that. be problematic. But I think this is why people hire someone like me. I mean, I'm a dating coach. I write profiles for a living. And I make sure that you look your best. And we do photo shoots. And I pick out the outfits. And I go down an entire list as the digital matchmaker of potential matches and explain why this one would be good and why this one is bad. <laughs> this one's a player. This one's a good guy. And we go through those different profiles and we write emails and messages that will get responses. So a lot of people get overwhelmed and they say, please don't make me go on three dates for 52 weeks. Um, you may meet the right person the first day, the first month, or the first year. But if you knew that you were going to meet the right person after a certain finite amount of time, you would probably put in the work. Yeah, that's funny I, that you were mentioning about writing the profiles for a living. And it's almost like you've uh, you've systematized dating to the point where you're like a professional dating marketer. I love it. I guess so. <laughs> well, Julie, we appreciate you being on Finding Your Frequency today. Uh, you know, we talked about the couple of books. We talked about where people can find you online and, and all that. And, you know, today being Valentine's Day, want to wish everybody a wonderful Valentine's Day. And please make sure you guys go take care of your significant others. But, you know, Julie, before we jump off, what uh, what's next for you? Where Where do you go from here? Oh, what's next for me? Uh, my life is pretty busy. I'm involved in several television projects. I'm working on a film adaptation of my book. And I'm just busy, you know, helping sing singles find love in the digital age. Oh, well, that's awesome. Everybody throw hearts at uh, Julie, throw them in her direction for all of her wonderful work and matchmaking and keeping people together and are uh, 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 finding love and all of those fun things. And we appreciate you being on the program today. 
Thank you. And happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. You can catch us here every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific, 3 o'clock Eastern on the Finding Your Frequency uh, page on Voice America Variety. I want to make sure you guys follow us all over social media at Radio Ryan One, at Jeff Spinney Two, and of course, check out the website, findingyourfrequency.net. And most of all, make sure you rate this show five stars because five stars are better than four. Thank you for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure, right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.